0: Hey, product bosses, have you heard that we are doing a five-day completely free challenge starting Monday, January 11th? Join us. It's absolutely free. It's called Best Seller Secrets Challenge. Thousands of product bosses have gone through it and have transformed their businesses in just five days. We are going to help you lean into what is selling right now by teaching you how to look at your numbers, understand what your customers actually want to buy from you, and how to use your best sellers to grow a thriving business so you aren't just throwing spaghetti at the wall hoping something sticks. We want to help you pandemic-proof your business, and we are going to do it together. So go to www. Dot bestsellersecretschallenge.com. We'll put that link in the show notes to make it really easy to sign up. And if you have already taken the challenge, we are inviting you to go through it with us again. Your business has probably changed and this free challenge will really help you build a sustainable and profitable business. The Bestseller Secrets Challenge starts Monday, January 11th. It's five days of trainings and lives created to help you grow. Join us. It's totally free. Sign up at www.bestsellersecretschallenge.com. Hey everybody, Jacqueline and Mina here, your co-hosts of the Product Boss Podcast. Today, we will be sharing a conversation we had with a fellow female founder. You see, we believe women helping women is what the world needs more of. Introducing our female founder episodes, where we interview fellow female entrepreneurs and highlight their small business.
1: Our goal is to shine a spotlight on product businesses to encourage our community to support each other learn from each other, buy from each other, and lift each other up. So let's jump in.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Female Founders. Today is a really special one for us. We are huge fans of our guest today. Um, We were fans before we actually knew her. And then now, for the last several months, we've had the honor of working with her. So we wanted to introduce you all to Megan Teyes. She's the CEO and designer of Glass Ladder & Co. And we're going to talk about how she was able to break her own glass ceiling by starting her own product-based business. So welcome to the podcast Megan.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So tell everybody what Glass Ladder and Co is.
2: Okay. Glass Ladder and Co is a lifestyle women's brand where we design vegan leather accessories that are meant to help women take their health, wealth and happiness into their own hands.
1: And so tell us a little bit about your journey. When did you decide to start Glass Ladder and how has it been going in 2020?
2: Okay. Um, so I actually started Glass Letter & Co. with my then boyfriend, now husband, Daniel. Um, it was 2017. And really just from working in the corporate world, I felt like there was a lack of professional women's accessories that were both feminine and like very classy and elegant. So that was a void that we wanted to fill. We were 22 at the time. And by the time we launched it, we were 23. So um, it was kind of just a side hustle. And it wasn't until um, my boss had left, I was working in marketing at the time. My boss had left, or supervisor, I should say. And I had taken on two roles, uh, two full-time positions on like a starting base salary, and I had been doing it. For a few months, and I was just kept asking my boss for, for a raise or even a promotion um, with doing double the work and a manager's position as well. And um, he had told me after begging for a raise that he would consider bumping my salary a dollar a year, and that in about 20 to 30 years, that would be a decent salary. And that was when I realized that if I wanted to take my income into my own hands, I was going to have to really take on this business and make this my full-time job and really grow it like a hundred and ten percent. Cut to if it was me, I'd leaping across the table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's hard as a young, as a young woman in business and you're dealing with a a male, you know, boss, one how condescending you know like a dollar a year and and but also just talking about you like reflecting on you as a young woman having the wherewithal and like the awareness that that wasn't right because there's so many young people that work and they don't necessarily take action right they think they have to put in their hours and really kind of suffer through things and I trust me like I've hired tons of young people and they do need to put in their hours and they do have to work but with respect as well um to, to paying them and actually cultivating them as they grow in, is, is, as um, employees. So good for you for realizing that that wasn't something that aligned with your vision of your life.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I think that's the structure of corporate though. You know, right now, especially in 2020, I mean, even my mother-in-law who works at a factory, she does three people's jobs. Now there's a lot of laying off and not a lot of hiring back on. They expect people to do more with less sort of pay. And I think it is a little bit of a structure, but it's exactly what Jacqueline said. There's not a lot of people with the, you know, the side hustle or the, the thought process that they think I, in order for me to have the wealth that I want, I will need to do something different than everybody else does. I mean, do you hang out with a lot of entrepreneurs or are you the only one that decided to make this grand leap to be an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah, it was definitely something that we just kind of did on our own. We don't have a lot of entrepreneur friends. I do have, I guess you could say, an entrepreneurial family. Um, my brother owns an advertising agency. My sister owns a photography business. Um so I definitely have that kind of element in my family, which I'm, you know, lucky because that has inspired me to really believe that I could do this. So that was nice to have. But yeah, no, I definitely didn't have any friends. I actually lost so many friends by by doing that. But I mean, you know, at 22, everyone just wants to be going out and partying and, you know being really nerdy and staying home and working on a business and watching business seminars is <laughs> definitely not as interesting <laughs> to some people as it is to me. But I think the people that that matter and like the true friends are the ones that stayed. And that's all that matters. And even if I don't have business in common with them, that's why I love being a part of the mastermind group, because it's just so nice to have people that understand, even whether it's a win or, you know, a struggle, it's really nice to have people that understand where you're coming from, for sure. Yeah,
0: you're in a you're in a really special group um, in the top mastermind with us. I mean, just the women in that group in general. But yeah, I mean, I would say the same for us. Me and I both kind of went out on our own at 26. So we were slightly older than, you know, you and we started, but it, it was that same thing. And I loved working and I loved learning and improving my business. It was my hobby, and I was actually fortunate to be able to hire a couple of my friends because they were laid off. It was during the recession back in 2007 to nine. Um, and I was able to hire a couple of friends. So I got to work with my friends. I was like, yeah, I'm the Facebook, like. <laughs> <laughs> back then it was MySpace. <laughs> Whatever it is, when they hired all the friends. Um, and it made, it made working more fun. But I think as business grew and my business grew and I found a lot of, I felt alone a lot of times. And even you're fortunate, both of you actually work with your husbands. My husband and I kind of Lived very parallel lives. And so work almost pulled us apart, both of our work. And so I think when I really found my transition was getting into a mastermind of fellow like female um CEOs, I think we we're all six figure multi six figure businesses. And it was just like, yes, I found my people. I got to take the pressure off my husband about talking about like the ups and downs. And um even now we still message each other. It's been like four years, and we'll still message each other and check in with each other because that bond that you create, I mean, who else knows inside of your business the way that, the way that we set up our masterminds is like these women, like they're so close to each other that it's, it's a very intimate relationship. So I'm so glad that worked for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then your, your dynamic with your husband is he, so does he consider himself an entrepreneur? Cause you were dating at the time that you started the business, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: was he working or what was he doing?
2: He was, he used to work in the medical field. So he worked at a hospital and then I worked in corporate and, um, yeah, he's a co-founder. We completely founded it together. We dived in together and really both just totally took it on. It wasn't really like one more than the other. Um, did you leave your job first and then him? Actually he did. Oh, He left his job first because we were doing a lot of engraving at the time. We used to do these like steel business card holders that were like gold, rose gold, and silver. And you could engrave, we would engrave with our engraving machine, like your name or business logo into it. And he worked the engraving machine. And that's what was really taking off for us was the personalization aspect. So he actually left his job first. And then I didn't leave my job until about a year later.
1: Okay. 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 So tell us a little bit more about that. What did your journey look like? You started with that. And then how did you move to vegan leather goods?
2: Mm -hmm. So um, in our original concept, we actually were considering being a subscription box, which is funny because we work with them a lot now. Um, But we kind of just laid out a whole business plan with um, investing and numbers. And we realized we don't have enough capital to do this to constantly be introducing new items um we just need like a core collection and just you know something that isn't seasonal because we couldn't afford to keep producing things season after season especially right in the beginning um so We changed our plan and we kind of just stuck with like three to four items that made this little box that we actually called a Paramount parcel, which you could buy like everything we sold, which was like three or four items. I think it was a uh, pen, a business card holder, and our original um, like portfolio clutch, which was vegan leather. Um, So the vegan leather aspect was always there, like the cruelty-free, eco-friendly aspect. And we kind of just did what you guys actually often recommend is which we leaned into our bestseller um, and what was working, which was the clutch was our best seller when it came down to revenue. And it did, we did sell a lot of the personalized card holders, but it was a lot of work and time and energy for a very little profit margin. So we ended up releasing a few more different variations of the like vegan leather organ tech organizer clutches and, We expanded to a whole line of clutches and padfolios. And then um, we ended up like diving, continuing diving into like handbags. So it's been an evolution for sure.
0: And where were you selling initially? How did you first get the word out about your business?
2: Um, Off of our website. So we started a Squarespace website and we just sold everything off of there. And we were always really big onto like social media, particularly Instagram. So we started our Instagram account months before we even started selling product. What did you oh, post there? All kinds of things. But it was all, it, we posted like our branding message, branding colors, updates about what we were planning on making, how production was going, who we are, why we cherish those values, like eco-friendly and cruelty-free, just a lot of stuff like in, uh, informational or educational about the brand.
0: Oh, I mean, girl after my own heart over here. Cause I launched so many new fashion apparel brands. And so mm-hmm. I have to kind of coach them on that initial part. And I'm like, oh, well, what? I, I just want them to do exactly what you did on social um, mm-hmm. because it would start to gain traction. So when you finally launched, cause I love that. Do you know how many followers you had on social media?
2: I want to say on Instagram, maybe we had like a thousand or two thousand followers okay. on Instagram when we launched our product. It was maybe like a six-month development process from when we were like working on concept to product.
0: Okay, so not that not that many in the grand scheme of thing. Everyone everyone can get to a thousand followers. Um, so, but you were doing it prior to you. And then with that launch, did you say like head to my website and buy them? And then did did people take action because they had done other things for you on social?
2: Absolutely. So we had um, like a big marketing plan. We had advertised like the date um, repeatedly. We posted a lot of teaser photos um, and it was, I believe it was a pre order actually, is how we launched. It wasn't even like in stock yet. And we did a bunch of interviews too to get some kind of like publicity for free. So we were interviewing like women who we considered to be like girl bosses. Um, I think we did an interview with Jenna Kutcher. We did. Uh, Lauren Evarts or Bostick from the Skinny Confidential. We did Jasmine Star. We did like a different one um, every couple months leading up to it. And then um, I remember actually the launch was at the time we thought it was really successful. We had like a little launch party locally at Sharky's in uh, Huntington Beach. And I remember like the chimes just kept going off, like we were getting orders and it was like unbelievable to see like months of hard work, you know, and then it's always down to the wire. You're like, is it actually going to pay off? Is anyone going to buy? Am I working so hard for this launch and it's going to flop? But it's just such great like reassurance. So that was 2018 then? 2017. 17. Okay. We launched in uh, June 30th,
1: 2017. Okay. I love just the progression of that because when you hear those names now, Jasmine Starr, um, Jenna Jenna Kutcher, all of them, there, it was a different life in twenty seventeen. Also, Instagram was different as well. Mm-hmm. So, you've really grown in parallel to all those people, which goes to show you, like all your efforts now. You know, everybody's planting seeds, right? So, for people to think, "Oh, I am going to shoot for Jasmine Star," probably is not the way to go right now because yeah. Jasmine Star was n- n- nowhere close to where she is now in twenty
2: seventeen. Yeah.
0: But you were cued in enough to your market and you were yep. cued cute in enough to the influencers or the people that had, when I say influencers, but they have influence over another person, you know, over another community. So, I mean, I know your background comes from marketing, but genius, by the way. And if any uh, of you follow you. Glass, Ladder & Co. Now um, watching Megan, she is so smart with how she uses social and she shows up and the way she does live launches and she does like Instagram lives. So, I mean, I'm floored when I watch you and it's mm-hmm. so fun. And I'm like, me and I need to be more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah Social. and it Thank wasn't you. the influence back then it was <clears throat> Megan has a gift for clarity of message mm-hmm. and I think that that's the thing that people skip over when they're just starting is getting really clear on their message I mean her company is called Glass Ladder and you know she is... would you explain that to everyone for
0: Glass yeah. Ladder what it means
2: sure so um we like to say that we don't believe in glass ceilings. We believe in glass ladders because we know that your potential for growth is unlimited. So the glass ladder is just kind of a metaphor that we like to use. um, Just saying like, you know, the sky's the limit. Like we're here to help you grow and we want to grow with you and inspire you along the way and shatter glass ceilings. And uh, you know, yeah,
0: it's perfect. And, Mm -hmm. and what you make is for women who, you know, women who work, right? So whether you're own your own business, or you're an entrepreneur, or you are an employee for someone. I mean, that's that's the thing because it's that idea of, you know, men with their briefcases, but what do women roll up with? Portfolio <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <A little> clutches. <laughs> yeah. A glass ladder portfolio clutch. So one thing I really wanted to chat with you about, which I find amazing. So cut to you so one marketing genius launched on Instagram, um, that whole, you know, baby Megan and Glass Ladder and Co. Um Let's cut to selling to subscription boxes because you've sold to Mm -hmm. some really big subscription boxes. So Causebox and FabFitFun, and I think you've done Mm -hmm. a couple um, iterations with them. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that journey. I think a lot of people sometimes are really interested in well, like, how did Causebox or FabFitFun find out about you? How did you Mm -hmm. create that relationship and, and make the sale to them?
2: For sure. So um, I think something also important to mention is Cosbox was much smaller than than they are now. So when we had first reached out and started working with them, I think they had around 15,000 subscribers, which to us was humongous at the time. Um, so we had reached out. Uh, we just kind of, I think we were researching and we found them and we were pitching to them. That's actually how we used to do wholesale. We used to like, I guess it was like, we would go and research, find people that we could potentially wholesale to and then pitch our products. We didn't wait for them to come to us. Um, So that was one of those companies that we pulled up in our research. And they, you know, kind of said like we like your stuff, but like maybe not right now. Um, Maybe they were just being polite (laughs) rather than saying they didn't want to work with us at the time. And um, we just stayed persistent. And like every season, we kept coming up with pitches of different things. And it had been like several pitches. I mean, it was, we had been turned down several times. (laughs) And um, I think it was actually for the box before we ended up landing the partnership, they said we they liked our pitch. And they said that, you know, they'd consider it and they wanted a sample. And so, me being the opportunist, was like, Well, I'm going to hand deliver it and get the handshake and meet them face to face and pitch my product in person. And they're like, Okay, you can nail it. And <laughs> I was like, No, that's okay. I'll- <laughs> so, Daniel and I come in, like dressed like super professional. And they're just like, Oh gosh, I'm sure they were a little overwhelmed, <laughs> but we wanted to go in and just like really make uh, an impression. Mm -hmm. we hand delivered the sample and we made the sample into like a little gift basket which now at the time I don't know if it's such a good idea it might be a little cheesy but um we made it into like a winter themed box because that was for the season and um it ended up not panning out but then they reached back out for I think uh either the next box or the following box um Maybe we reached out honestly and follow-up, but they liked one of our products, which was the Marilyn at the time. And they said, we'd like you to make something kind of similar, but custom for us. And we just jumped right on it and it ended up working out. And by that time they were at like 130,000 subscribers, something. From 15,000, to 130,000. Yeah. So they had like rapid growth and we had been discussing with them early, early on. And then as they experienced that rapid growth, they came to us with these numbers and we were like, Oh gosh, I don't even know if we can do that. We're a small business, you know, mm-hmm. but we, so that we was
0: 130,000 unit order.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. You know what? Well, I love that they said no first. And you even when you showed up with a gift box and all of that, which goes to show you persistence is really that consistent persistence is really the the secret sauce here. It's not sometimes you just have to remember that they're picking what's right for their audience at that particular time. So it had yeah. nothing to do with you. I'm sure you were fantastic, you know? So um I love that you kept with it and then all of a sudden hundred and thirty thousand unit order is mind boggling to even think I about. mean
0: because think about that like just a couple boxes later that was their growth. So you could mm-hmm. have had if they said yes to you in the beginning, that would have been a fifteen thousand piece order, which already was probably a lot <laughs> for a new business. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then but that I mean, that sort of injection of revenue and exposure.
2: Was incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, I think so. I think the thing about you, Megan, that I'm so impressed with is that you do, you go out and get what you want. Like you, if it's these connections with these, these big boxes that people sometimes feel like, well, I'm small. I don't know what I'm doing. It didn't matter. Like you were like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this box when I went in there. Hell yes. Excuse me. I might have to take that out of the podcast, but okay. yes, you should have because look at, look, at what yeah. happened, Oh, right? to
1: be young and carefree, I feel like.
0: But also <laughs> just kidding. the impression she left. Because yeah. it's true. You could have just been another sample on the buyer's table. Mm-hmm. But you and your husband rolled up and presented that you took, you cared about it. And they were, yeah. and, and it just made you different enough. So I think, and, and I've done it too. I mean, some of the biggest guests we've had on our podcast have been us reaching out to Mm -hmm. them and and something
1: memorable
0: yeah I mean Amy Porterfield um mentioned us on our podcast we were on her sales page we sent her this huge box at one of her launches that Mina (laughs) hand me
1: it was like hours and hours and hours (laughs) so many things for Amy
0: Porterfield (laughs) and this is kind of in the beginning of us um you know getting started and uh we sent it to her as a gift and um all of a sudden we were on her radar. And so then she talked about us on the podcast and we're still on her radar. So that's the stuff that, you know, those things that you think back, are like, now maybe we wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But that, those are things you do when you're young and you're hungry and you're building your business. So you, my friend, are very impressive.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, okay, so we went from 130,000 units to CauseBox. And then did FabFitFun see you doing that and then approach you? Or did you also then say like, subscription boxes are working for us. Let's go find another.
2: So we had also been pitching FabFitFun for a while, and I'm pretty sure they probably just filtered us into spam or something like that. Red flag. <laughs> we kept getting our pitches, and they're like, absolutely not. This making girl
0: keeps showing up yeah. in front of the office.
2: Well, you know, though, if they had been... I had actually pitched them the Maryland before Causebox had reached out for it, so who knows, they could have been like an early adopter, but Causebox is the one that jumped on it first. And, um, they actually ended up reaching out to us after our partnership with Causebox. We had a lot of exposure. We had a lot of big partners and potential retailers or wholesalers reach out, um, because of that partnership. So FabFitFun was one of them. And then I kind of just, I guess, took a similar mentality where I really tried to nurture the relationship, um, did a little LinkedIn research, realized uh, my rep was also an East Coast girl and she um, was from New York and had been in the same sorority that I was in, but at a different school. So kind of just continued to try to nurture the relationship there.
1: Yeah. I love that because, you know, something we say is that every relationship, it should not be a cold call. It should be warm on your end. So you were savvy enough and smart enough to think, well, I'm not just going to be another person, I'm actually going to see her as a human or him, whoever is, you know, and try to make a connection because at the end of the day, wholesale is always a a connection and a relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So where? so we're at, we're recording this at the end of 2020. So where's Glass Ladder at right now? I mean, this has been a year obviously for everyone, but um, what, what have you accomplished in this year that you would say you're, you're proud of?
2: Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no. So we actually this year, we have been working really hard on our consumer facing sales. So we had a lot of like I said, we got a lot of wholesale and retail offers um, with that. And we kind of kept nurturing those individual relationships. Um, But we really, really wanted to continue to grow our customer facing side. Um, so we absolutely have, we've had, um, some of our highest months in revenue ever. We hit our first five figure sales day. Our black Friday was like three to four times what it was the previous year. And we had our first full collection launch, which was wildly successful and really, really exciting to see, um, We had only ever launched like individual products before. So launching an entire collection is a lot of inventory. It's a lot of risk all in at once. So um, it was really exciting to see that it was almost validated, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And having Jacqueline and I get to see a little bit behind the scenes and, you know, we did see the side of the struggle of, you know, all of that came with very hard work, right? Remember when you moved to the warehouse and or out of the warehouse? Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. We we opened our own warehouse too. Yes, we you opened your opened own warehouse. fulfillment center previously.
1: Right. So yeah. I want all the listeners to keep in mind that this and she has sure. a baby. Let's yeah, just oh, she, she has a baby. Out there.
2: Give birth. <laughs> Yes, year. I have an eight-month-old baby. <laughs> so it was a
1: challenging year, but you have done so well in it, and it came with the ups and downs. That's for sure. Of you um, know, it's entrepreneurship. It's a roller coaster <laughs> every day. It's like, hang on, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
0: what are you? What are the big things that we could look forward for um, Glass Ladder and Co. in twenty twenty one? Like any any because you. The forward-facing, consumer-facing part of your business is obviously thriving and doing well, and you're, you've are you hit your stride with that. And what do you see for yourselves in 2021?
2: I see two collection launches. So we're hoping to do a spring and a fall collection launch, which hopefully will be just as successful, hopefully even more so. Um, we've got some really exciting mm-hmm. partnerships lined up that I'm not able to discuss yet. But um, big things, big things. And we're super excited. I... I can't even believe the growth that we've had in 2020. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It has been a tough year and it has been literally a roller coaster. Some months have been tough and some months have been the best months we could imagine. So um, hopefully some kind of sense of more stability with that would be great in 2020. But we've got some exciting things happening.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, we're we're so excited to see what's to come and, and we're honored to be able to continue to work with you into 2021 to really see, you know, how the business moves. So would you mind sharing with our listeners how they can buy from you, follow you and share your company?
2: Sure. Um, our website is glassladderco.com. Um, we do have some of our products on Amazon as well, but mostly off of our website. And uh, our Instagram is at Glass ladder. We do have a lot of uh, fake accounts out there, so that's the only Instagram account. None of the other ones are real.
0: <laughs> you need to get yourself a blue check mark.
2: I've been working on. Do you know how many times that we have applied and we get denied every time? It's Your advertising crazy.
0: brother needs to get a get a message in. I know.
2: Give me the hookup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's incredible, though. You know, that's a you know, you know, you've made it when there are fake accounts out there. Um, Megan, that's amazing. I want everyone to follow her, especially on social. You can see that she's really developed her business um, and just watching the growth of how you were able to launch. And again, even these launches that we've watched you have this year and how you use social media as a tool um, to convert followers into customers. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're it was so great.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I've been a fan of the product boss for so long and I have always loved listening to your podcast and it's really, really crazy and surreal right now that I was actually (laughs) interviewed by you. So it's very exciting.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks guys. Hey friend, just a quick reminder to sign up for the Bestseller Secrets Challenge. It's a five-day, totally free week of trainings, private Facebook group, and daily live Q&As with us. We don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to get really clear and focus on what you need to sell to grow a profitable, sustainable, and solid business. Head over to www.bestsellerssecretschallenge.com Dot .com and click on the link in the show notes today right now.